we live in a world of aspiring influencers. Everyone wants to, mm-hmm. to be known. Everyone has a desire, an innate desire to be seen, heard, and known. What about if you became a person that made other people feel known? Welcome to the Generation Youth Podcast, where we ignite the future by empowering our youth. I'm James McLean your host, founder, and CEO of Generation Youth, and the author of the best-selling book, Tomorrow's Youth. Whether you're a parent, an educator, youth pastor, or coach, join us as we dive into the pressing issues facing our young people today. Together, we'll unlock the strategies, insights, and inspiration to elevate and equip our next generation. Stay with us, and let's make a difference one youth at a time. Hampton, welcome to the Generation Youth Podcast. I do appreciate you being our guest today. James, thank you so much for having me. I'm fired up about this. Come on. You know, it's very rare that I uh, that I get someone of uh, your energy level and your passion that actually reaches out that wants to be a part of our show. But you did that, and I am so glad that we're connected so Our audience would love to hear more about you, a little bit about who you are. If you wouldn't mind, introduce yourself to the Generation Youth audience. Hey, yeah, for everybody listening, uh, James did not find me. I I found him and I was like, I want to talk to this guy. If you think I can add value, have me on. Uh, Maybe I just had so much energy that he just felt obligated to say yes, but we'll see where (laughs) this goes today. Um, But my name is Hampton Dorch. I am from Birmingham, Alabama. And this topic, this subject gets me fired up and I'm excited to talk about it today. I've been out of college for three years. I'm 25. We were just talking before this. Am I on the back end of millennial? I'm on the front end of Gen Z. Am I a zillennial? I don't know. That's what I call it. But, uh, you know, really passionate about leading and impacting other people. And I think that starts with leading yourself. And I, I really believe that, especially for the next generation if we can learn to lead ourselves first through the mindsets that we have, through the habits that we have, through the way that we treat other people, I think that we'll live a much more fulfilling life and be able to impact a lot more people in the future. And so I'm on the journey of learning how to do that myself. I'm sharing failures and successes along the way, and um, you may get to hear about some of them today. So thanks again for having me here. Well, one of the the reason that that you, I, I felt like this would be a great match was your passion for leadership. Why? Why is someone, you know, in their mid-20s have such a passion for developing young leaders? Why, where did that come from? Why do you have this? I've seen a lot of great leadership and I've seen a lot of poor leadership too. And unfortunately, right. there, there's been times in my life where maybe I thought that I was doing great, but it, it may not have been so great. And I think the reason I thought it was great is because I enjoyed standing in front of groups of people and mm-hmm. trying to motivate and inspire. But if you really, if, if you could slice me open and look on the inside of me at what was in my head and what was in my heart, it's probably thinking more about me than anybody else. Mm-hmm. And I really believe that the best leaders are others focused. They make it about other people. It's not about them. And so for me, while on the outside, it might've looked like I really cared about other people until I really grew up, matured and Certainly my faith is a huge part of my life until really God opened up my eyes. I realized that I was living a lot more for myself than other people. And so then as I've drifted into working at WildSpark, where I work now, we do leadership development for other organizations. Mm -hmm. And we're trying to help other managers and supervisors 
have that same realization that I did that, hey, not only will you be more effective as a leader if you're others focused and you make it about them, um, but you'll be more fulfilled too. You know, if you can be a humble person and, you know, I like to use the, um, the, the Tim Keller quote of, of humility is not thinking less of yourself, but just thinking of yourself less. If you can learn those things when you're leading other people, then the sky's the limit for you. And so as I'm learning that journey and try, learning those principles and trying to live it out, I'm trying to help other people learn it along the way and just gets me fired up. <laughs> we love empowering young leaders, and but we see all these obstacles that they're facing, the issues that they're facing. In your opinion, what do you think some of the, the issues young adults face when they're trying to develop their leadership skills? I mean, what? Why, why is it so much of a struggle for them today? Well, you know, as Gen Z is becoming more and more of a topic, first off, millennials are thankful because uh, they're, they're out of the pressure cooker now. They're like, <laughs> finally, people are talking about no, Gen I don't Z. millennials. Ask, ask the baby boomers. They're still not out of the pressure cooker. So. Yeah, yeah, I guess you're right. You, you, you're right about that. But everyone's talking about Gen Z and everything like that. And I mentioned I'd, I'd met Tim Elmore before this, and he says, and I'm sure you say similar things that, you know, they were ambushed by technology, ambushed mm -hmm. by technology. They didn't ask for that. And so as we're saying, oh, this generation is entitled or they don't know how to work hard. Well, I think that a lot of that might have come from technology. I mean, for example, if, if we say that, if we agree that I'm more of a zillennial, um, when I, you know, got an iPhone, uh, probably in my ninth grade year and Snapchat and Instagram, that stuff came out. Parents were, were like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. Well, imagine getting that in fifth or sixth grade and growing up as a kid and your toy is an iPad instead of a rock. <laughs> like, don't you think that's going to impact somebody? Of course it is. It's going to. And so the way I've heard it is, hey, let's put on our empathy caps and recognize that. How, how would we be? What would our worldview be? If we grew up in a world of social media, which can be used for a wonderful, wonderful reasons, but also can be very toxic too. I think that's impacting a lot of people. I would say that's one of the main things. I, I know you hear about this and you study this a lot. I mean, what would you add? What would you add to that? What on their leadership development skills? I think it's expectations sometimes of previous generations put on young leaders as they're coming out of high school, going into college. This is what you should be doing this is this is the check you know the boxes that you need to check off in order to be a good leader and it has to do really with living exactly what you said living in a different era so they're encountering different things all young people are doing today is just reacting to the world that we gave them mm. they're not trying to change anything they oh we're, we want to be social influencers and change the world and stuff yeah but you're really just reacting to a world that was given to you, as you said, thrust upon you. Um, and it was given to you without any instruction. It was given to you without any guidance because the, our generations, I'm an Xer, but our generations and baby boomers, we created this and we didn't know what we were creating. Mm -hmm. And we thought it was going to help us. And we didn't think of the long-term impacts of how it was going to help future generations. You know, at, mm -hmm. at our organization, we've, we've interviewed almost 2,500 young people. Ask them one question, what is the biggest issue facing you? And then we categorize them and really come up with three major issues. They struggle with their identity, self-image. They struggle with building positive relationships. 
And the last one is, is they lack the ability to, to find purpose and set goals towards that purpose. And that is not Hampton. That's not anything new. That is not new. That is the same issues that my generation, my parents' generations, biblical generations faced. It just manifests itself in a very different way. So you hit upon it when you said, you know, that the biggest problem they have is, is this world that's thrust upon them that they're ill-prepared for. And we're all just playing catch-up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, if you think about it, identity, positive relationships, what is my purpose? You're right. That that mm-hmm. has been something that every person to ever live has struggled with at times. And you're right. It's manifesting itself in a different way. Something that I've been hearing about is just in the world that I live in at Wild Spark. You know, I'm talking to executives and HR leaders that say, yeah, we've just got these different generations in the workforce and it's not working out too hot because you've got one generation and several that said, hey, put your head down, show up to work, do the job. You you should be grateful that you have this job and this opportunity to provide for your family. And if you look at what was happening historically uh, with, with some of the older generations when they started working, I would probably feel that same way too. But you know, now that uh, in 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 America, just in the world that we have now, it's 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 different. And so people are coming to work and bringing their whole self and talking about things outside of work and talking about mental health, which which I think is is a good thing. Now I'm not I'm not saying that the younger generations are doing it perfectly. There are certainly things that that they can learn from older generations. But I think we could all really learn from each other and having more conversations with people of different generations and having the humility to ask those questions in both ways, I think would certainly make the world a a bit of a better place. Well, you have to also think that it's it's two generations uh, behind you or ahead of you, I guess ahead of you would be the right word that that is typically your parents. Yep. So for me, I'm a Gen Xer mine would be that generation that is after the greatest generation, but before the baby boomers, that Mm -hmm. lost generation, the silent generation. There's so many different names for that group, but baby boomers, you know, you're right. They came in with that. Hey, you'd be thankful for a job. Why were they like that? Well, their parents went through the great depression and through world war II. Of course they were telling them, Hey, you should be lucky you have anything. And, you know, we always joke around how our parents would talk about, you know, when I was a kid, such and such and such and such. Well, that generation had legit stories. They walked uphill both ways. <laughs> yeah. And they had no money, nothing. They lived through the 30s with with the Great Depression. They lived through World War II. They, you know, they were a part of it in such a way. So as they raised the baby boomers, now the baby boomers coming of age in the, you know, in the 60s and, and coming to jobs in the 70s and 80s. Hey, they got they they were enjoying the fruits of previous generations in a major way. And so they began to value things differently. And it kind of, you know, how they raised their children was differently. So uh, they were more impactful. They were more on them. They were more conscious of them. You know, I was the X generation. We were called the the uh, latchkey generation. You know, you know, nobody knew where we were at. Nobody <laughs> cared. You know. But and it's always two generations before. So I like that you're talking about the fact that it is the challenges is the differing technology and stuff. As you're working with young leaders, what do you think, 
three, five, three to five key skills do you think they need to know right now as they become young leaders? If you were advising, let's just put, let's put the scenario, make it easier for you. You got a group of uh, college students that are come to you and say, hey, we need some advice. You've been where we are. What are three to five things that we need to know to, to make ourselves better as future leaders? What would you tell them? What do you think about acronyms? Do you like acronyms? I think I may have one of those. There, let's go with it. All right, I am taking this straight from my friend Adam Tarno. Don't know if you've heard of him. He wrote a book called The Edge. It's really for young professionals. I think people in high school and college are reading it too. Um, but it talks about how to have an edge in your life and your career. And the edge, E-D-G-E, stands for energy, diligence, growth, and endurance. So energy, diligence, growth, and endurance. So I think every person out there could benefit from having these qualities. But if you if you look at this, like if you're in high school, if you're in college, if you're a young professional and you have energy, the way he defines it is positive energy. If you're showing up to work mm -hmm. positive, like you're you're already gonna stand out like just in a negative world. And that doesn't mean you can't have bad days. Um, but just having a positive mindset, an energetic mindset, somebody that is fired up and excited about the work they get to do. So I would say that energy, diligence, uh, that, that means that you stick to what you do. You do what you say that you are going to do. You follow through on what's been asked of you. Um, you're a problem solver. So if, if you have a boss, instead of walking to their office and telling them about all the problems that they already probably know about, why don't you come to their office with three solutions and ask for permission to do one of them? Like diligent, like be diligent. Uh, growth, do you have a growth mindset? Are you learning? If you can be an aggressive learner, oh my gosh, like you were going to stand out like a sore thumb. Replace Netflix and TikTok with reading a couple books. I mean, oh my gosh, like you're, you're going to learn so much. I think a lot of people have um, a fixed mindset. A lot of people are familiar with Carol Dweck's book and I had a fixed mindset for a lot of my life. It's for a lot of you who are in school, Maybe you have a fixed mindset around um, academics. I certainly did. I looked or at a fixed my mindset about what you said about just reading. Yep. You know, there's yep. so many in, in the uh, this generation, uh, Gen Z, as we work through our times with them that are like, well, I, I don't really enjoy reading. I'd rather listen to the audiobook or watch some YouTube clips, synopsis of it. Like, you're not getting the same. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it. You, you're exactly right. But if you ever say I'm not a anything or I just can't, then that that's a fixed mindset. Like you can be a reader. You can develop that skill, have that growth mindset. And then finally endurance, we quit way too early in things. Mm -hmm. And we, we are, we're suckers for immediate gratification. And if you're in the younger generation, this is not a cop out, but it, it's not your fault because you're used to scrolling and scrolling and having algorithms that give you exactly what you want when you want it. <laughs> so of, of course you're going to struggle a little bit more with having endurance with being a gritty person. One thing I've been saying lately is bore your way to success. Now, now some people might be like, Whoa, we're, I didn't come up with this, but I think there's a lot of boring things that if you do them consistently, you'll find success and they won't be so yeah. boring all of a sudden, you know, like the healthy food that might be a little bit more boring or the workouts that are a little bit more boring or following up with people if you're early in your job or you're in sales or stretching, that stuff is kind of boring. But when people ask you about your overnight success five years later, you'll say, I've been doing the same boring thing every day. And it's not so boring because you know it works. And I've got one more because you said three to five. That was the analogy. So energy, diligence, growth, endurance. That'll give you an edge. That book is by Adam Tarno. 
awesome book. But the last one, and we say this a lot at Wild Spark, and it's to be interested over interesting. Man, that's changed my life. Like that's the most powerful thing that I've learned in the first three years of my career. We live in a world of aspiring influencers uh, and aspiring people to. That sounds to like a Ted Lasso statement. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's very Ted Lasso ish. But imagine, as soon as like, you said that, I was like, that sounds like something he would have said in the on one of his uh, team talks. I, I feel like that could be a very Ted Lasso quote. But think about it. We we live in a world of aspiring influencers. Everyone wants to, mm-hmm. to be known. Everyone has a desire, an innate desire to be seen, heard, and known. What about if you became a person that made other people feel known? You know, if you were interested in them instead of being interesting yourself, a story uh, uh, from my life is my wife and I were at like some party or gathering or something. And I walked away from a conversation with someone. And I said, they were awesome. Like they were, they were so cool. And my wife said, what, what was it about them? And then I realized, oh, wait, I don't, I know nothing about them. All they did was ask me about myself and you better believe I kept talking. And that's what made me realize if you're interested over interesting, it's not a sacrifice. People will like you and respect you more anyways. So I think that's something you can practice before you ever have a leadership title, before you ever have a job. And if you live that out, you will get a leadership title and a job rather quickly. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Uh, that, And I'm trying to, to uh, recall the two prime ministers of from the 1800s in Britain that had that a lady had lunch with at two separate times. One of them was Disraeli and I cannot remember the other one. Blackwell. I, I don't remember. I'm going to get the name wrong. It's a, it's a story that Mr. Ziegler used to tell. Okay. And they would talk about the fact that after she met with them, her friends said, well, what did you do? So prime minister a, she said, after I met with them, I was convinced that was the most interesting, intelligent, and brilliant person I've ever met. And mm. after uh, lunch with the Prime Minister B, they said, well, how did you feel about them? They said, after I had lunch with them, I was convinced that I was the most interesting, brilliant, and smart person wow. ever. So, and it's awesome. Mr. Ziegler's point was, is who do you think she was more of a fan of? The first one or the second? And it's obviously mm. the second one. Um, I need to I need to brush up on that story a little bit better. I know Disraeli was one of them, but I cannot remember the other one. That's a good one. That's good. And it all has to do that. So I love those. So to go back again, energy, diligence, growth, endurance, and be interested instead of, uh, rather than interesting. I love that. Well, so how, okay, now we've given them some. We've given them five. How can they do this? Hmm. How, how can they do it? And then the second part of that question is how those of us who work with them, who want to empower young people, how can we help them develop these skills? So how yeah. can young people develop it themselves? And how can those of us who are helping them? So you got two questions to go. Yeah. Through. So I'll start with interested over interesting. I mean, just be others focused. It, it really comes back to asking more questions. And I mean, so much of this, James, that, that, parents are teaching us when we're younger that some of the youth that you're coaching are probably hearing from their parents and rolling their eyes at two ears, one mouth. That's all it is. You have two ears and you have one mouth and it's just an adult piffy way to say it, you know, like listen more than you speak. And it's going to take some practice, but I think that you'll actually find more fulfillment because you'll make somebody feel like they're the smartest and most interesting person in the room. So it, it really just comes down to 
asking people more questions, asking follow-up mm-hmm. questions. I've I've started living by this principle um, that that I call asking one more question than you feel like you should sometimes. And I can't tell you how many times it's led to someone opening up about something in their life or sharing a hobby that they're passionate about. Like, because I think that people are so accustomed to the, the kind of like small chit chat before like a conversation you have with someone or when you meet someone that they're not, they're not even in the mindset of opening up and being vulnerable or sharing something because they assume that people don't want to know about them. And so sometimes if you ask that like one more question, Hey, tell me more about that. They're like, Oh wow, this person actually wants to know. Then they open up and share about something that's hard in their life, something that they're passionate about. And then you're off to the races with a not surface level relationship, um, which is what we all desire, positive relationships. So I would- have you ever heard of a, have you ever heard of Bob TD? He's the no. guy who wrote the book, uh, leaders ask good questions. I think that's what the name of it. Now okay. Look, it's over. Anyways, the question guy, he used to work for crew. He, he was a lifetime leader with them, wrote many books about questions, uh, questions that Paul asked, questions that Jesus asked. There were a lot of good books, but he said the one thing you always need to have in your pocket for a question in a conversation, and it works well with your philosophy is tell me more about that. Mm. Because you never go wrong with that. So that's that question. Okay, well, tell me more. Tell me more. That's about good. That. Man, that's it, good. It's open-ended enough and it's not offensive enough. They'll they'll have to answer. Uh, and you'll go into some depth and they will love it. The people will love to talk. Yeah. Tell me more about that. Yeah, that 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 will go quite a long way. Um Energy, diligence, growth, endurance. Again, there's a there's a book on it. Uh, so it, it talks a lot about it. Adam has a podcast too, but like energy, let's think about that. Like positive energy, positive mindset, just energy in general. I mean, first off, take care of your body, you know, get your sleep. Don't mm-hmm. don't look at your phone at night before bed. Stop scrolling, stop, you know, getting that cheap dopamine. I, I'm a big fitness guy, so I love like working out. And I feel like that alone at that and then treating food as fuel of course you want to of course you want to enjoy food and everything but like the fitness and nutrition side of my life has been helpful in that like energy standpoint i think it also helps my mind too which helps me to be a little bit more positive um i also man i i just think we live in a world where there's a lot of i mean there's no secret anxiety and depression and questioning of what my purpose is and everything like that i think the moment that we can realize that Sorry if this is a little depressing, but that our lives are a blip on the radar of eternity and that uh, ask yourself the question, what are the first names of my four great grandparents? And you might not be able to name one of them. Like a lot of people wouldn't be able to do that. And it's like, whoa, I thought the world revolved around me and my great grandkids aren't going to know my first name likely. And that might be depressing to some, but it's freeing to me because I, you know, for me, at least like. I serve a really big God that's given me a lot of awesome opportunities. And if you think about, you know, humility for a second, I mentioned this definition earlier, humility, as um, Tim Keller says, is is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. Another, another way to put it is if you're self-consumed and insecure or self-consumed and arrogant, that's equally bad. That equals pride because all you're doing is thinking about yourself and pride is the opposite of humility. And I feel like you can only really find true humility. And and if you're not a Christian listening to this, that's okay. We're glad you're listening to this. But like, if you're 
the way I've heard humility is defined as like, that's a byproduct of you spending time with God and recognizing how big he is. Um, and so that was a long way to say, how do I have energy and a positive attitude that gets me fired up. So like, we could talk about that one for a whole long time. I can keep going, but, but that, that was a lot of talking. So I don't, I don't know if you have anything to add. Well, let's switch then to how do we, those who people who, who want to empower you, who really have a desire to see them thrive, what can they do to help these younger generations develop these skills? I mean, because we've listed some things here that I think the audience is going, yeah, I'm for that. Yeah, yeah, let's do this. And then they're going, Whoa, what do I do? How do I start this? You know? mm. So let's, right. give them some, let's give them some meat here. What, what's, what's the old saying? People don't know. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Yep. And Mr. Ziegler added the words about them. About them. Okay. So even though you, because if, you know, my parents, other people in my life, I know that when I was in high school, college, I'm sure even now they look at my life and they're like, if you would just do this, if you would just study, why are you not applying for college? The applications are coming up soon. The amount of times that you know exactly what someone needs to do and you just want to shake them and say it, that they don't know how much you care. So we're big on stories here at Wild Spark. Like, tell me more about your story. Like, okay, I'll give you a perfect example. My dad is my best friend. Yet, I heard him share his testimony, his story at like a group at church. And, and he, he was given the microphone for 45 minutes. My best friend, who I know more than anyone, I can't tell you how much I learned about him. That's my dad. So mm. you might think you know someone, you might think you know all the events of their life, but until you ask them how those certain events impacted them, then you start to be able to have your empathy cap on a little bit. Then they know how much you care. And then all of your wisdom that you have, probably a lot more likely to listen to it. That's what I think. Mm. I, that's, I talked to a teacher who had retired from teaching in one state and moved to another state and was continuing their teaching uh, career and they're in almost 70 now, if, if not already 70 and I asked him, how are you still engaging and how are you doing this? And he shared a lot of the same ways. He said, I show them how, that I care. I said, why do you do that? And he said, I show them how I care by listening to them. He says, and then they'll trust me. Mm. All I have to do is just listen. And I was doing a conference where we were training some youth life coaches. And I mentioned that to him. I said, Hey, you know, if you want to show them you care, uh, and get their trust, you need to listen to them. And I kind of wrote it on the board. I said, oh, it's the connection for me. I didn't think anything of it, Hampton. I just thought it was kind of a throw-off statement. I turned around and I looked at the the class and everybody was taking notes and just going crazy on it. And I was like, we got something here. And so yeah. we spent the next hour and a half talking about how totally just blew off what was on the agenda, but we focused mostly on how how can I do this? How can I connect with them? So you wow. hit about it. You've hit on that on on how to on how we can do that is really showing them that that we do I uh, care and you do that by by listening. Uh, so, what's your best advice for these young leaders then? Okay, how about this? There's another guy I know. See, nothing, nothing that I'm almost nothing I'm sharing is coming from me. By the way, it, growth like the on the edge. I don't let that out perfectly, but the growth one. Everything I'm saying is because I'm meeting the James McClams of the world, you know? And every time I talk to someone like them, I'm just taking something from them and I'm sharing it with someone else. There's a guy named Tim Spiker who did a study on leadership. He's like an organizational coach, consultant, and he, you know, thousands and thousands of people on this survey. And he surveyed 
let's say 10,000 people and said, what are, what are the, what is the most important quality for your leader to have? Like what does, what characteristic does someone need to have to make them worth following? And it was things like being able to motivate and inspire, being able to recruit top talent, being able to think strategically, stuff like that. Like when you think about a leader, you know, maybe more in a business context, but he was blown away at the results. There was eight different characteristics or qualities. And of the eight, think of it like a, a pizza, like there's eight pieces in a slice. Two of those eight qualities made up 77% of what people said they wanted their leader to have in order to make them worth following. And he was blown away. It was to be inwardly sound and others focused. Mm-hmm. Inwardly sound and others focused. 77% of what these people said they want, wanted in their leader and inwardly sound that that might be a little bit longer to unpack when he does the coaching on the back end they start with others focus because that's a little bit more like interested over interesting like inwardly sound you, you might have some you know years of things to work through and all of that I, I i'd say inwardly sound is when you go to a leader and you tell them like really hard news you're not worried about how they're going to respond they're going to say okay tell me more what do we need to do like they're not going to freak out but others focused again they make it about you. They want to elevate you. They're interested over interesting. And the coolest part about that, why does this, why is this important for a young leader to learn? Well, because those are the two easiest ones to practice without a leadership title. You know, Ooh. if you've got to motivate and inspire and you've got to recruit the top talent and think strategically and set direction and make all these decisions. Well, if you don't have a leadership title, that's going to be harder to do. But apparently the two most important qualities are things you can practice when you're in middle school. Mm. And so imagine building those characteristics for a long time. And then when you actually get in that leadership position, all the other stuff, you know, you can work on that stuff. Certainly it helps to be, to be able to galvanize and motivate people and have a a sharp mind. But again, if people don't know, if people don't know how much you, or people don't know how much you care, what is it? People don't know how much people don't care how much, you know, until they know how much you care. And I feel like that really aligns with that as well. So I would say you can start practicing that right now. So inwardly sound and outward focus were the two that hit the most. Inwardly sound, others focused. Yeah. Others focused. I love that. It's it's impacted me quite a lot. <laughs> you've thrown out a lot of uh, uh, people who have influenced you, authors and stuff. If if we've got young people or or those who are working with them, parents, teachers, listening to us right now, and they're thinking, okay, give me some names of some people that I can go and read and learn. I want to have this, this wealth of knowledge or breadth of experience so that I can grow and have expand my mindset. Yeah, let's give them some names. Help, help us out here. To, give them who's your top top ones there. I'm yeah, not going to give you a number. See. I want to let you go with it. I'll go. Um, well, first, Carol Dweck wrote the book Mindset, and it talks about the difference between a growth and fixed mindset. Mm-hmm. If you're an adult, uh, trust me, you should still probably read this book and it will help you with your kids. The biggest thing you'll learn about parenting from that book is to praise your kids for effort, not their results. And so if your kid is really good at soccer and they like scored three goals in a game, think about celebrating them for like how hard they worked and how fast they ran. Because if you celebrate them for how the, the way that they look or their performance or their grades, they're going to start to like, that, that's going to shift their worldview and they're going to identify with like, okay, I just have to like do good. But if you praise their effort, they're going to focus more on effort, which then leads to my second book that I would recommend uh, that is also good for adults, but also good for parenting is behind me, Grit 
by Angela Duckworth. Angela Duckworth, yeah. And she and so speaking of effort, her and Carol Dwecker friends, she um she talks about the hard things rule in her house with her kids. They implement a hard things rule and her and her and her husband do it too. And it's that every year they have to pick one thing that they're going to do for the whole year. One hard thing, a, a sports team, a club to sign up for, a new friend to make. And, and you can't quit. You got to do it for a year. And then by the time you get to your ninth grade year, you have to commit to something for two years because all the data says that sticking to something for a longer period of time is really where you start to find that success. And I think a lot of times we live in a society where we quit too early. And exactly. so she really, she's all about effort. She has this equation that really impacted me. It's talent times effort equals skill. And mm-hmm. I see you nodding your head and then skill times effort. The book, uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if it's on this side or if it's on that side of the, on the bookshelf. I'm surrounded by bookshelf, but it's here. Yeah, it's a, it's a good one. So basically talent times effort equals skill. Mm-hmm. And then skill times effort equals achievement. And her whole point is that effort counts twice. You don't have to be the most talented person in the world, but if you can be gritty and put in a lot of effort, it's going to go a long way. So I think as a parent, that's like a, you know, those are two kind of like Pixar-ish books in that your kid will love it, but you'll watch it and go, oh, wait, I needed to see yeah. that too because I got a good lesson out of that. And um, if you can find yeah. some some podcasts where she was interviewed, especially a year or so after grit came out, that is some of the most in-depth things that you're going to hear. Cause yeah, uh, you know, it's fresh. She, she was very passionate. I mean, she's still passionate about it, but that was, you know, it's fresh and it was new to her. So you could just feel it coming out as she talks about uh, West point and all those different things mm. that she learned. Uh, it's just brilliant. Yeah. So. That's good. That's good. And then um, self selfish plug here. Uh, I have a podcast called Wake Up and Lead, and you you probably aren't going to be hearing as much from me, but you'll be hearing from people I bring on. The goal is finding people who are usually young professionals, a lot of times in their 20s, but mm-hmm. most of them have like graduated college and are young professionals. But what I'm looking for for people on there is excellent character and a story to tell, you know, and mm-hmm. so I'm finding a lot of my peers and I'll have some uh, some older folks on there to kind of speak life into into me and stuff. But that that's a lot of my peers I've found that are not normal in a good way. So if you want to find some more, if you want some, I also have found people have told me, um, you know, my, my older millennial and, and Gen X friends have said that it's been encouraging for them to hear about some of the future leaders like, Oh, these people do exist. So that's called wake up and lead. So I feel silly putting myself in the same bucket as Carol Dweck and um, Angela <laughs> Duckworth, but well, I can't, can't fair not. enough. <laughs> Fair enough. A question. I used to have a co-host, uh, a rotating, a revolving co-host of, of young people your age and younger that would come on and, and they would always want to end the interview with this question. And I've gotten away from it, but today it seems more appropriate. What's the best piece of advice you've ever been given? Man, I'm going to have to <laughs> That's exactly that the same response everybody gives. They all blow out and go, oh gosh, that's a tough one. Everybody, bar none, does, does the same thing. Wow, man. I'm going to have to think on that for a second. While I'm thinking on that, uh, James, I may go Uno reverse card on you. Do you know what the best piece of advice you've ever been given is? <laughs> uh, yes, and because I've answered this question before with them. And it was uh, a, a teacher that, that brought me into his office as a senior. I was, I was in charge of an organization at his school, and I thought it was because he wanted the leader to be in there. And it was more a... a a challenge and reprimand that I 
live my life with a, with such way of integrity and and vulnerability that people would want to lead me and to stay away with people at the school at environments that would distract from me um, because he says you've called you've been called for greater things you need to live up to that now mm. and greater things will happen later mm. and he was challenging me that he, he said, you seem to be wait for, waiting for great things to happen before you start acting great. And it's the opposite, my son. So he yeah. said, it's the opposite, son. You live up to being great now and then great things will happen. And I've mm. never forgotten that. Um, That's good. That's good. You were you were locked and loaded and ready for that one. I'm glad I asked. I'm, I'm going to take that to heart. Uh, this, this one might be a little bit similar. I've got like one and a half answers for you. Uh, first okay. one is... Uh, we call it because a lot of a lot of uh, the listeners, whether you're younger or you have kids in school, they're learning about the order of operations in math right now. Uh, bear with me here. There's an order of operations for leadership, which is lead me first, then develop my team, then deliver business results. And mm. I don't know if this is the best piece of advice I've ever gotten in my life, but the principle that I'm trying to share and really what my podcast is about is how do we learn to lead ourselves? Like if we looked at every part of our lives, it, are we someone that's worth following? Like actually, like what, what mindsets do we have? Are we positive? What, what are the habits that we have? How do we treat people? And so you got to lead yourself first. The analogy is I've heard this a thousand times, but when you're on a plane and they train you before about if the plane starts crashing, which hopefully that never happens to any of us, when the oxygen masks come down, you put yours on before your child's because if mm -hmm. you pass out, if you're burnt out, you can't help them. So you got to be able to lead yourself first. And that's really what I'm trying to learn a lot about right now. And then the last thing is probably my favorite song, favorite hymn, uh, Yet Not I, But Through Christ in Me. I think about uh, the, the line of that. It says like, when the race is complete, still my lips shall repeat, yet not I, but through Christ in me. And I think that so often, like, you know, we would be foolish. I would be foolish to think that like any opportunities that I have, any gifts that I've been given are, you know, are my own. I created these. Sure. I'm working hard. I'm trying to be faithful, but I ultimately know that God has given me everything that I have. And so when you can live out of that mindset, you don't have as much fear because you realize that like, you're not the creator, you're not in control and you can live in so much freedom. And it allows you to, to take bold risks in your life, have difficult conversations that could be really impactful for yeah. people go difficult places, do difficult things because you realize that like, as long as you're being faithful to, to for me, God, it's like, my life isn't about me. So I'm just going to go wherever you call me and give you the glory for mm -hmm. it. So that, that would probably be it. Hampton, you've got passion for this and I hope our audience has felt it. How can they get in touch with you and stay connected with you? What are some ways they can connect with you if they want to follow up more? On so I'll, uh, I'll, I'll get, if you go to, this is going to be shocking for a 25 year old, but LinkedIn, that is my primary, uh, <laughs> you know, social, I'm trying to get more people my age on LinkedIn. So Hampton Dorch on LinkedIn, there'll be like a link in my bio and I've, that you can find my podcast there. And yes, yes, James, I do post some stuff on TikTok. Uh, uh, so I do do that, but yeah, you can, you can find me there on, uh, on LinkedIn. So. Well, all his contact information will be in the show notes. So if you're listening, uh, look on your app. You can see in the show notes. If you're watching, just look down under the video and, and blink more. 
uh, in that little word section and you'll find more information. Hampton, thank you for your time today. I, I, I'm so excited about the future that you have and the people that you're going to be influencing. And I'm excited about what you're doing. And this was a great time that we've had together today. Mm, thank you so much, James. I love the work that you're doing. It, it inspires me and clearly fires me up. So I appreciate you having me on. <laughs> and thank you, audience, for staying with us. If you've listened this long, you must like it. So someone you know needs to hear this message. So please like and share and comment on this podcast. And we'll see you again on the Generation Youth Podcast. And there you have it, another impactful episode of the Generation Youth Podcast. To all of our listeners out there, remember to hit that subscribe button on your preferred podcast platform so you can never miss an episode. Want to be a part of the Generation Youth community? Follow us on all of our social media platforms. We'll keep you connected with all of our upcoming episodes and inspiring initiatives. You're not just a listener here. You're a catalyst for change. Together, we're building a future filled with promise, potential, and endless possibilities. This journey is just starting. So keep tuning in, keep growing, and let's continue uplifting our youth one episode at a time. Thank you for joining us today. And until next time, let's keep sparking inspiration and igniting the future.